Hey y'all, this episode is brought to you by my new book, Find Your Rainbow. Find Your Rainbow is a full-color guide and activity book filled with interactive and positive ways for young readers to work through issues like self-esteem, positive thinking, and even bullying. I worked on this book for two to three years. It is filled with tons of colorful illustrations, my personal stories, and I think it will really help the girls in your life. You could find the book online, but really, I recommend going to your favorite independent bookstore and asking them for Find Your Rainbow. Hello, and welcome to Rainy Day Diaries, an imperfect podcast that will dive headfirst into how you can thrive in your creative life and business, even if you struggle with mental wellness. I am your host, Jennifer Lynn, and as a longtime struggler of anxiety and depression myself, I hope this podcast will help you realize that you could still get stuff done when you deal with all these crazy things on a daily basis, that you're not alone, and that falling down does not mean you won't get back up again. I thank you so much for listening, and as always, if you have any suggestions or questions or topics you'd love to hear about, please email me at jenniferlynn at gmail.com. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of Rainy Day Diaries. Today's episode is with award-winning children's book author and illustrator, Todd Parr. And it is so awesome to have him on the podcast. Oliver received one of Todd Parr's books when he was born, and it was all about being unique and different. And that was so amazing. I loved it. So I knew I had to reach out to Todd Parr because obviously his books are up my alley. He's been in the industry for over 20 years. He has 50 books. It is crazy pants. I'm super stoked to have Todd on the the podcast. We talk about how he got started in this journey, why we need kindness in the world, and how not knowing what you're doing can actually help you. If you don't know you are potentially failing, then you'll keep going without even realizing that you just potentially nearly failed. If you're an aspiring children's book author, this episode will inspire you like mad because The way that Todd Parr got in the industry is not how all of us are trying to get into the industry now. It was very serendipitous. Since he has published all these books, amazing things has happened. He's worked with F.A.O. Schwartz and Stouffer's and Sesame Street. He's had little animations of his work. It is awesome. In this episode, we also talk about how just because you have dyslexia does not mean you can't be an award-winning children's book author and going outside the box to market your work. And my favorite, dealing with people who don't understand you or don't understand what you're doing. And of course, serendipity, which is how he got in the market of children's book publishing. So I hope you enjoy the episode. If you do, I'd love if you screenshot it. You could tag me and tag Todd. He is Todd Parr. I am Jennifer Lynn, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. So today on Rainy Day Diaries, I'm interviewing Todd Parr, which could be one name or two names or Todd Party. He is an author and an illustrator of kids' books. He has over 40 kids' books in 15 different languages. He's worked with Sesame Street. He's done so many different things, and he has inspired so many children. And so I know I kind of introduced you, but do you want to continue introducing yourself and talk about what you wanted to be growing up and that kind of how that led to what you're doing now? Um, Yeah, and and you you said it all perfectly. Exactly what I say at, at events with kids um, you could call me Todd Party. Uh, it sounds fun. Um, I, uh, I, I think since second grade, I know that I've always wanted to be an artist because I had dyslexia um, growing up and I had trouble reading. And I had to repeat second grade because I was not reading to the level I was at. And, um, but I could draw and I love to draw Snoopy. And that was the one thing that I was really felt good about and confident. I related to Snoopy. It was black outline, simple color, one color, very much like I do today. Uh, But, you know, given the struggles that I had in school, because I had some other learning with the dyslexia and probably autism, things like that, that just weren't um, really recognized back then. There were no labels for these things. And so I was just placed in all these small or these slow groups. But art is the one thing that persistently was an interest of mine. I did it all through school despite not being very good or being told that I was not very good. Uh, And that carried over into my adult life. Of course, I went on to do other things um, because nobody makes it as an artist um, is what you learn back then. And... um, And I kept coming back to this art thing, and I went all over the place with that. 
uh, into putting it on product for kids and t-shirts and paintings. And then I figured I should license my artwork. So I got a licensing agent. I started doing greeting cards and all kinds of things. Uh, that's how FAO Schwartz happened and Macy's. And um, it was the greeting cards that led at a licensing show in New York. An editor said, have you thought about writing children's books? Because you're kind of already doing it. And I had a moment of, if you knew how poorly I did in school, I had to repeat second grade. You have to be smart to write books. Um, you know, I know I have not. She's like, you're kind of already doing it. What would you do? And that was the beginning of what's turned into now be over 50 books uh, 21 years later. That's so exciting. Was the licensing show Surtex? Or was it, which licensing show was it? It's called the license, it's just called the licensing show. It was in New York once a year at Javits. And it was all the big names, Disney, uh, Warner Brothers were there at the show, trade show. Um, they had an art section every year, real small art section uh, of people like me that weren't a brand or, uh, you know, something big. And you could just, a 10 by 10 booth at this thing. And so I modeled it after what I thought a, Todd Part apartment might look like. Um, and that's where I met an editor who was curious about that show. Um, she had never been and wanted to know what goes on there. And she saw my artwork from the end of an aisle, my big canvases and everything. And she's like, it just drew me to you. So, and I'm still with her today. That's so, so exciting. So have she's all a, 50 of your books been published by the same company then? Yep. Yep, oh, and, so and, cool. um, and I'm counting the, the three that come out this year, um, the two I'm working on for next year, and the two others after that. And um, I don't even have an exact count, but it did go over 50 now with everything. That's crazy. Like, how, how many people can say they have not only books coming out every year, but books, multiple books coming out every year? Yeah, it's, um, again, you know, I think... Uh, being naive and in denial in anything creative uh, allows you a thicker skin um, to, I think if you know what you're up against, the odds of, of, it's like winning the lottery almost. You think, oh, you write a book, it goes into a bookstore. You write music, it goes on, you know, of course then it was a record store, but now it's like goes on Spotify or Apple. And that's not the case. My books did not go into every bookstore in the beginning. And um, it was, I, I knew nothing. So I guess when there was failure, I didn't know any better and I just kept going. And looking back now, I think, you know, as my editor says, your backlist is unprecedented. I don't know of any other author, certainly not at Little Brown, that has the number of titles in print still selling like you do. And I'm like, oh, cool, that's good. But it doesn't mean, it didn't mean anything to me because, you know, I'm like, oh, well that, I thought everybody's books that can do. And then, you know, this year alone, you know, there's three and there's no, I can't say it was, there's a reason it just was the timing and I've usually done two a year. Um, and this year they went with three and um, I have a lot of hope for, for them. So hopefully they'll do well. That's so exciting. So was your very first book, did she kind of like say, okay, I like you. I want to work with you. Like come up with a concept for me. Did she like more hold your hand with that or like, how um, She said, you're kind of already doing it. Um, well, what, what type, what, uh, think about what kind of books that you would write based on this. And so a lot of it went into my artwork because my original artwork was all big canvases with messages on it, like be who you are, love yourself, love the world. It's okay to be different. Um, so I kind of modeled my first books after that. So they did four little six by six books that came out at once. So it was the okay book, do's and don'ts, things that make you feel good and this is my hair. And the only guidelines for those were just try and do what you do without being preachy or teachy or new agey. And she said, you're not already those things, but don't fall into that. And I'm like, well, that, I, that's not fun. Certainly not for kids. So, 
And back then to do the type of looks that I did was, again, what are these? You know, they weren't pastels, there weren't soft bunnies, there weren't stories, there weren't characters. They're like, what are these? People didn't get them. Um, and, and now you see so many books like social, emotional and calming and things for kids. Um, and also with the state of things in the world and as things progress, people are talking to kids sooner. They get their content sooner. They hear things. They, you know, people, instead of saying, oh, my child doesn't have social emotional issues or they don't need this. Um, they just sweep it under and go, we don't need to talk about these things like peace, the earth being different because we don't know what to say. And, um, and fortunately or unfortunately, I've been doing this for many years and now kind of the world is like, hey, we need to deal with some of these things. Like kids are worrying, they're making mistakes and not taking chances, they're afraid. You know, how do you talk to a four-year-old about losing grandma or grandpa, you know, or your pet? And people are addressing that and I'm in a good spot, not because I'm brilliant uh, by any means, it's just staying true to the heart. I write from how I believe you should treat people, how you can help kids learn, um, how you should talk about these things, things that, that happened with me uh, that were never addressed. And I feel like if I can make kids feel stronger, more confident, um, they'll be better human beings. And I'm having a good time doing it and I'm helping myself. So I don't just get to write books, you know, which people say, oh, that would be such a fun job. And it is, but I get to write books that help make a difference. And, and I've seen that. I've heard the power that they have, even the family book for people struggling to say, we just want something that represents our family as being normal. Like, what is normal? But we're just a single mom, you know, and two kids. Or, you know, I'm a grandparent raising my children. Or... We have two moms in our family. You know, I just, I want everybody to feel like I'm just as important and included uh, as everyone else. And that makes me feel good. And also I know that the message translates really well um, in different languages too. So it makes me feel good. So when, when did the first book come out? Because Amazon said it was 2008, but you said 21 years. So I wasn't sure. That was probably the, well, um, 98 were okay. the first uh the first books and um yeah 98 so if you I, I don't know i haven't looked up the okay book but i think that's in board format so i think when it says 2008 is when it went into board format because the original six by six went out of print so i think that's that but uh yeah they're 98 the first four i'll say 1998 i met her in 97 um, yeah. Have you found that most of your books started off as like paper and then went to board or were, were you making board books and then went to paper? No, they were all paper. I think, you know, the beginning, the first eight books or was it even, yeah, the first eight books were all six by six. Like I don't remember how many pages, like 18, maybe, maybe less. Um, you know, with my art style and everything being so simple as we got bigger and jacketed hardcovers and then they went to paperback um, we found a big, you know, a really huge interest in board books for my, that size, um, uh, because of my art style in that they're very young, you know, my books. So we found that like when we put the, I love you book into board format, that just did incredible. And, um, you know, so we went back and now doing basically board books of all of my books that, uh, have been successful and, and they're, they're doing great. So That's so exciting. I mean, you've made like, writing books is not necessarily a lucrative thing. And I don't know how you're doing, but you have 50 books and they're going in different languages and different types of books. So like you've made it like you, you, you're doing awesome. <laughs> I, thank you. Um, I, I am. I, I, you know, I make, uh, I do well from this. I'm fortunate. It's another thing you don't you know, you, you learn, it's like, oh, you write a book, you get paid for it. And then you get royalties twice a year. That's not the case. Um, and then you think like, oh, every twice a year, I'm going to get paid, uh, which is hard to train yourself to live on if you only get a paycheck twice a year. So I'm curious, like, 
when you the first few came out she obviously very much believed in you if you had multiple books come out right away then like when do you kind of feel like you exploded like <laughs> it was not an overnight thing it was a very gradual thing and again another moment where you say thank god they didn't give up she didn't give up on me because it wasn't an overnight success it was a there was interest there was curiosity there was like what are these but afraid to embrace them and if somebody else because you know uh the the book world it's a very i don't it's i feel like you, people still use typewriters i feel like it's a very uh antiquated but very like recluse kind of environment you know like um they're just not people you think are partying every night and having fun, like editors and and um, and uh, writers. You're just not hitting the music festivals and carrying on. It's a pretty, I don't know. So I was kind of like the black sheep of this literary world. You know, it's like, you know, who is this guy? And when I started getting success, people are like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. It looks like he draws like a six-year-old. You know, it's like, what are these? He just, there's no characters. Um, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Or, it, you know, somebody said, I don't like his colors. Um, and as more people start embracing it, then it's like, oh, I, I, I get it. But I still don't get it. And, um, and it's interesting because, you know, my books will never win the Caldecott. Uh, they'll never win a Coretta Scott King. They're not going to be in this whole esteemed group of very, you know, educate, well-educated, beautiful writers, even artists like Sophie Blackall. She, oh, you know, her. does Finding Money. Uh, and she's a beautiful. Uh, Oh, and her art is beautiful and and we've done a few events together and we draw next to each other and then there's her beautiful art and I go I know you don't want me next to you and I'm drawing underwear and but things. that's the best part and, uh, about being an artist is like I but I understand because mine is definitely more like I'm more on the line of my illustrations are more like on the line of yours than definitely Sophie Blackalls but I don't know <laughs> we're all we can all fit <laughs> yeah it's it, well, and, and you have to learn to embrace and own what you do and, uh, and appreciate it. Because I spent years thinking, I need to be somebody else. It's just like, why couldn't I have written, don't let the pigeon drive the bus? Why didn't I not write that? Why didn't I write Dragons Love Tacos? That's what I need to be. And I think, you know, it was about the same time when uh, we were talking about doing the book Be Who You Are was... Um, well, Todd, the reason you're doing this book is because you spent most of your life in school trying to be like everybody else because you thought they were cool. Um, and then you realized it was just better to be yourself. And I thought, I need to focus on that in my career as well because I spent a number of years thinking, my books aren't good enough. I need to be, I need to write a blockbuster, don't let the pigeon drive the bus or Captain Underpants or and I'm not anybody if I don't do that. And then I went, I thought, you know what, Todd, just take your own advice. Be who you are. You know, own what you do, embrace what you do, um, and go for it and keep going for it. It's unique to you. Um, so I had, I had to give myself a, an adult reminder um, with that. And, and that leads into when people say, well, what age group do you write for? Um, and I say four to eight-year-olds and adult, because I think sometimes just a few pictures and simple words often say so much, even to us adults, as reading a bunch of texts. And, and that's confirmed to me by the goodbye book. Um, you know, when I wrote that, it's about saying goodbye. It's probably the book I thought about the longest, maybe seven years, how can I do this? And one of the very first emails I got when that book came out was from somebody in their seventies who had recently lost their husband of 55 years. And our librarian friend shared that book with her. And she said, for the first time in a week, I was actually able to sleep after reading your comforting words 
Um, and I have to extend my condolences to you because somebody could not have written a book like this without experiencing grief themselves. And I thought, there, there, that's, that's, yes, that confirms adults. And that's on the gentler side, but then, you know, I feel like it's okay to be different. Um, there are a lot of adults that need to be reminded of that, you know? And so, yeah, it's four to eight an adult. I totally agree with that. Because I feel like that's why I do what I do too, is like, the more kids you help realize all these things, it's, it's great to be unique and yourself and weird and fun and anything you are. Like, then hopefully when they get to be our age, they're not still dealing with trying to be someone else and realize that they're not awesome and however they do whatever they do is okay <laughs> mm -hmm. we all need reminders like <laughs> yes <laughs> so how when do you feel in your career that like all the other things started happening like working with sesame street or um all the other different various projects you worked on um they kind of just came within the drive of determination i think it was quickly early on when we realized that basically I'm not, I realized, and I think other people did too, he's not really a writer. And technically a writer, you're a writer if you write. Mm -hmm. And to me, a writer was like, you know, different than me. And so I think we realized that I came into this through art and there was still uh, room in that category for me to expand on the success that I'd had with the books. Um, so it made sense to do some of these, uh, outside things, um, and get involved with, uh, you know, companies that were also looking for, um, a way, a unique way to market a different marketing thing. And in many cases, it's all been, you know, based on charity too. It's just like, you know, my involvement with Stouffer's that all benefited Habitat for Humanity and my involvement with Hilton Hotels and doing the Be Hospitable book, which was a tagline of theirs, uh, was for the um, Special Olympics. I think it was one of the Olympics, I can't remember now, but for disabilities with, with kids. And so these things have all, you know, benefited uh, somebody in some way. They're getting books into kids' hands. So do you find that that overflows into your general life also, not just like the Todd Parr career person, but the Todd Parr not career person? Like, are you a pretty chill person in real life? I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to think of the exact word that, uh, um, the nickname that um, my boyfriend has for me uh, my partner is high may for high maintenance, uh. which, you know, as my sister says, you're not high maintenance, you're just high strong. And I go, yeah, that's a better definition because I, I am, um, I tend to be very reactive, um, not in a temper anger way. I just, I'm, uh, I think it's the Italian in me. I need to use my hands if I'm passionate about something, not meaning I'm upset, but passionate, my voice raises. Uh, and people are like, stop raising your voice. And I go, this is how I talk. And um, so I am, I am so true to everything that I write about. Um, but definitely, uh, I love my, my dog, the ocean, being alone, you know, um, movies that make you cry, music that's sad, but it makes me feel good. So I'm all these different things, but you know, if, if I can be passionate is, is the word uh, about something. And it seems like I have anger maybe in it, but no. So there are no surprises, basically. It doesn't take long for you to talk to me and know my books to say, oh, I connect all the dots here. You know, and, and that's a, a thing, too, as I learned, is um, a lot of times when you show up to events and, and the people have not met you before, especially things internationally where they've spent a lot of money to bring you in, they love your work, but they don't know how you are as a human being. And then they've had experiences where they've come to find children's authors, even adults, that they love the work 
but the person turns out to be not such a nice person, you know, or <clears throat> very difficult. And I feel like, well, wouldn't that be horrible uh, to write the kinds of books that I write, like ki the kindness book and the thankful book, and then show up to these events and be a complete jerk? Would, wouldn't that be disappointing? That would be. So, but anybody being I, like that would be disappointing, like especially in the book world on top of that. I think it's disappointing if anyone's mean, but like to write books for children and still be mean or pompous or whatever like yeah that just seems crazy <laughs> no and, and there's some i've heard this term i didn't invent it i don't know if it, it's in the urban dictionary or not but like they uh at one place i was at they have this like code uh for the person so are you a red m&m or a blue m&m and if they said to each other and staff, you were a blue M&M, that meant you were chill and easy to work with. If you were a red M&M, you were high maintenance and really not a good person. So oh my goodness. Um, I always think of that. I go, I'm a blue M&M. I know that and I want to stay that way. So I have to say, I am high maintenance too, but I am high maintenance emotionally, <laughs> not physically. So like, anxious all over the place when I'm excited I talk loud and I dance a lot and I and then my husband has to remind me you have to calm down because then all your petals will fall off and you'll be a sad flower <laughs> because I'll use so much of my energy being excited <laughs> that for the rest of the day I'll just be sleepy <laughs> well we're very much alike uh in that it sounds like you have someone like I do that's like says you need to just calm down and not worry about it you need to I'm like, don't tell me that. I'm like, I'm upset over this. And um, it's like, just step back from it. And, and I'm like, I know he's right. You know, and you, I, sometimes we just need to hear that. We know ourselves when we're doing it, but it's like when you hear it, um, it helps. Does he ever so use good. your... I'm glad you have he, to balance. True. No, we're very blessed. Do, does he ever use your artwork against you? Like sometimes when I'm like really anxious, my husband's like, be still or you got this. He says it all the time. He's like, you got this. Cause I draw that all the time. And I'm like, stop using my art against me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get, I get the, uh, do you want my opinion? And I'm like, well, of course. It's like, I think you should, you could do better. I think the message of this book, um, I think in that the example was this last book I'm finished. Um, no, was it? Yeah. It's this, uh, last book I, it's due by August, it's called The Joyful Book, and that'll be out next, uh, next fall. Um, and I just basically, you know, my thing is I have a message in every one of my books now. I don't do a book without a message. That became a signature thing after This Is My Hair in the beginning. That was the only book that had it. Um, but I just basically did a very generic, you know, uh, being joyful is easy to do when you're joyful. It makes other people feel joyful, something to that effect. And I knew it's just basically a placeholder because I knew there's several more rounds of edits that I'm going to go through and I'll get to the message because we all know it's going to be there. And then he's like, you could do better than that. And I go, I know, but it's not finished either. So, <laughs> but I appreciate that because then I went back and focused on that more and said, I need to make this good. I can do better. And um, so it's always good. And, and I have friends that don't say a word. Um, I think they don't understand a thing that I do. Um, and honesty, and then others that just everything I do is great. Everything is perfect. It's, it's beautiful. It's so proud of you. Everything, even though they're like, what is he doing? That's yeah, I don't get it. See, and I don't understand how you can't get it, especially now. Like, <laughs> they don't, I don't know that they don't want to, I think everybody around me gets it for the most part. I don't think they have the insight of the learning that I've had about getting to this point, like looking back going, what are the chances and um, all that's happened. And I think they've been along for the ride. They know everything, but I don't think they realize, I think, a lot of it happens when I do events that are public events um, and different friends have been with me and see me and they go, I had no idea. No that idea. That you were big bananas? That, that you were so good. 
with kids and your audience and you know them. And I go, well, that's because I stay true to who I am. I'm not trying to be somebody else. And it's like, you know, even my adult keynotes, I'm like, I make it very clear that it, it's me. I stay true to me. And, you know, when I first got asked to these, I'm like, I'm not qualified to be up in front of, you know, 2000 librarians and teachers. I, I, I'm not qualified. You know, and then I thought I had to be the expert on education or reading or trying to be, you know, in my mind, what could I talk about? And then finally, it was like, why not just talk about the truth? Why not talk about you got held back in second grade? Why not talk about dyslexia, being a slow learner? Talk about these things and keep it, you know, real to me. So it's playful. It's honest. It's, I like to think it's inspiring because it's not, wait, there's more about me. Look at me. Look at what I've done. I've achieved all this. Look at me. It's more of like, I want you to feel good um, when you come to see me. I want, I hope that you're, uh, you're inspired to pursue the things that you want to do. Um, I want you to laugh. I hope that you take away something from this that you'll later use. And so it's not about me. It's not about what can I show you. It's about, I want to make you feel good, even better about who you are. And that works for kids. It works for adults. Um, and I think once you, you get comfortable with yourself, you know, it's hard being in front of a, an audience of adults, you know, especially 2000. It's difficult. Um, and it's always, every time you're in front of people, you know, what are they thinking? What are they saying back in the back row? You know, it, it's, I think when you stay true to everything that you are, I think you don't get into trouble. So it's like me to write my books because they are me. So I know what I'm writing about because I'm saying how I feel. And when I deliver the message, I'm delivering a very organic me message. Um, and I don't get into trouble, like talking about things I shouldn't be talking about, like education or reading or politics or. <laughs> so. Well, now I know you do events for grownups and for children. And I know on your website, it asks, like, there's like a questionnaire, but they're all obviously questions that children have asked you at different events. Yes. So what do you think is a grown-up question that either you wish people asked or like, what's, what has someone asked that is like, that kind of blew your mind that they even asked that? Um, I, I don't have anything, an immediate response to that. Most people, I think they're, they um they know what they're getting into when they're with me i mean i think they're like i'm not going to ask this guy about rocket scientists you know they they basically know my work and they're like we're going to stay in todd's world here which is very young and playful um and and actually i like it when adults ask a lot of the kids the, a lot of the questions that the kids do because you know, it's like, I'll share with you. It's what's your favorite food? Macaroni and cheese with worms. Now with kids, the worms gets a big, ooh, adults laugh. But um, a lot of it does, you know, how old are you? You know, people are curious. I, t I tell them my age. Um, but my adult events are playful. They stay a version of the kid event. They just get more into what has happened and why I do what I do and the involvement that I have with different or have had with different organizations. It's like currently the San Francisco Marin Food Bank. You know, how does that, what do books have to do with that? <clears throat> you know, and why I'm involved with these things. And it's because you write books like I do that, that help people. And, you know, so I try and get involved with other people that help people. Um, it just makes sense um, because it's, it's not, you know, doing a book release and all the proceeds go to, you know, the food bank, um, all the books that sell or get them to bring in canned goods or, you know, and that works for kids too. I do it in schools, like do a food drive for my visit and then we'll give it to the food bank the day that I'm there and kids get to learn about helping out and helping others. I love that. Did that kind of stuff inspire you when you were a child too? Like what were your childhood teen years kind of like? Um, I always wanted to um, help others. I think there was a period when I was in elementary school um, where I thought I wanted to be a special education teacher. And we had uh, a small class there. And I don't remember exactly how, but my determination um, got me involved where I got to go down one day a week 
and help the teacher and the teacher's aide with the kids, um, just like in a playtime thing. And I look back and that was just normal for me. But I thought, well, that was rare. That just doesn't get to happen. I think I was in fourth grade and I got to go down and do that. And now I'm thinking, well, maybe they were thinking I needed to be down there and play, you know, I don't know, because I couldn't focus. I don't know. Um, that didn't sound right. I don't mean anything bad by that, but it was just like, get rid of Todd, let him go. He wants to help the, the kids, you know, special ed, let him go because he's driving me crazy, you know, in this classroom. So, but I think, you know, in seriousness that my teachers recognized this, that I did want to help, that I had a true interest in helping kids. Um, and so they wanted to, you know, those teachers that said, well, this isn't normal, but let's inspire. Let's let Todd grow. Let him do this. And um, and I don't know whatever happened with that. I quickly lost interest in the teaching part, but not helping. And it just it's who I am as a person. So. so you had good teachers then, if they like cared about you and tried to inspire you or help you in a way that worked for you. Well, you know, I think, you know, when I grew up, of course, there's the respect of, of many things. And, you know, it wasn't just words. It was like, they're a teacher. I mean, there is nobody more powerful in the world. Um, nobody more powerful than a teacher when you're young, and especially when you have no self-confidence. Um, and a teacher tells you you did something good or you did, you're horrible. I mean, it goes both ways. Um, and I lost track of what you said. <laughs> That's another classic thing for me to ramble and then go, what, what, what am I talking about now? No worries. Um, well, uh, we'll shift gears just a little bit. I'm curious what the funnest is not a real word, but it is to me. So what the funnest project you've ever worked on was? Um, I think the funnest, and it wasn't even a project, was I did a Panasonic uh, national commercial because they had a new technology, and here goes the dating yourself in their new camcorder. So it had new 3CCD technology, which was, was this enhanced color. So they picked me, I think an ad, one of the ad execs, for their advertising company had kids and had my books. And so she's like, let's see if he can be involved. So um, they took some of my collateral, they made collateral materials out of my art that I did for this about color. Um, and I did a, a commercial shoot in like the Topanga Canyon in LA. And it was like, is this happening? Because the night before, had to go to an air, uh, a place um, to be fitted for clothing, even though I was wearing jeans and a black t-shirt. We had to go through several things to get to that specific, even though I had that, I was wearing it the day before, maybe. Um, but anyway, it was cool because, you know, you're just like, wow. I, I think, you know, also the FAO Schwartz thing was a, a fun thing for me because you know, when my art teacher and, um, you know, said, I would advise you to not pursue art, you're never going to make it, you know, you can't follow directions, your, your, your style hasn't progressed, you know, you're just, you're not going to make it. And you're like, wow, you know, that's a teacher. So I'm definitely a failure at art, I'm not going to make it. So I'm not going to pursue it. And I think as, as I came back, I think I went, I, uh, one of the jobs I had, right, when I was 20, years old, 21, was uh, for United Airlines. I became a flight attendant. I ended up in Chicago um, from Wyoming. And I got to fly all over the United States and then soon the world. And I think traveling, you know, the younger you can travel, I think the more confident it makes you, it makes you a better person because you're exposed to so many different things and cultures and awareness instead of just how things are in Rock Springs, Wyoming. If it goes outside of that, it's weird. You know, they're different than me, but I think when you get out in the world and you see that there's all these differences that it doesn't make you weird, it makes you unique and 
And so I think it's great. And I think that in itself gave me the confidence to come back to my artwork and say, I don't really care what my art teacher said, or I don't care what anybody else thinks. I'm going to do this art thing. And so as that progressed, and then the books, and then F.A.L. Schwartz, um, the original one on 55th uh, in New York, you know, had all the windows on 5th and 55th of all my artwork, giant things. And San Francisco had uh, a mechanical thing of my art, and I had these departments. And so you go walking by New York, and you walk up and you see all of your artwork at night lit up in F.A.O. Schwartz. And you're like, this is surreal. This is just, I, I, my art teacher said this. Um, and then you realize this, this is a moment. This is truly a moment. Um, and I think it's, you, again, we all do this, but it's like, and I think, you know, you've lead, led to this too, is it's not good enough. Um, and you know, it's like, so I do draw like a six year old, um, but it's right there in F.E.L. Schwartz's windows. And so it's all relative to, well, he's not good enough, um, but you, you, you are. Um, it doesn't mean you're gonna be in the window somewhere, but, um, but anyway, it's like, and you need to embrace those moments. What year was F.A.O. Schwartz? Is F.A.O. Schwartz still around? 90, well, they came back, reinvented yeah. uh, an equity company, I think, bought them and reinvented them, and I have not heard anything or follow them anymore. Um, so I don't really know. I think they did come back. I don't know what format, but, um, but yeah. Sorry, I interrupted the previous question, which was what year was F.A.O. Schwartz? <laughs> um, that was 90... 98, 99. My first four books had just come out. So it must be 98. I bet you I probably saw your windows at some point when we went to New York. I wish I remember. I think, you know, I need to remind me on my old web, website, we had that stuff on there. And I'm not sure now as it's grown and transitioned to what it is, if we've lost, um, not lost, but it's just not appearing where we had the all the FAO. Oh, thing. I don't think I it's, saw that. I would like to see that. Yeah, I should make a note and have them look for that and see if we can get that back on there, actually. I'll make a note for you, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have pictures of your original canvases on your website? Because I didn't see that either. Were, like, the same colors, the same style and everything back then? Yeah, you can see behind me. Are those me. them? Uh, well, you can't. Those are some more recent ones that were... Uh, that were, you know, more of in my design phase of like, oh, I'm just gonna be cool and do like graffiti art. Um, but a lot of the others, I don't know if you can see, they're all oh, that's so hidden cool. away behind there. Um, I have an outdoor kitchen out there, so this stuff is here for, you know, until I, I use it. But anyway, there's artwork all in there. Um, and. You know, I, I got away from more of the messaging stuff. I just went into doing pictures more so because like my art, like my books, I was like, I need to be a different artist. I don't want to draw the type of art I draw in my books. I want to be like, cool. I want to be like- What is cool? Keith, <laughs> Keith Haring, cool. Okay. Or uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. I, I want to be cool do street graffiti art. And then people would say like, we'd like to commission you to do a portrait of our family. And I'm like, well, my version, right? Of course, and, and yes. And um, I did several of those. And then I got to be where people were a little, some people were a little confused um, <laughs> because it didn't look like their family and it's never gonna happen in my world. So, in the picture, the dog is brown. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. I don't really do brown dogs. They're blue or yellow. Um, but it got to be where their skin tones were not right. I'm like, well, I, I don't do, I have red, yellow, blue, green, purple faces because it highlights 
the uniqueness of everyone. So I don't really use skin tones. And then I thought, this isn't any fun. You know, even though they're paying good money, I'm not enjoying this, so I'm gonna stop doing it. And I basically stopped painting altogether. Oh. <clears throat> not forever. Okay, good. But I just <laughs> took a break that I'm having more fun writing books than I am doing art shows and all of that. Understandable, but it, it takes to get, let me rephrase what I was trying to say since all the words wanted to come at the same time. Um, it's amazing when you finally get to the place where you're like, oh, this isn't enjoyable. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. Like, I know I want to focus on this because it's very easy to get wrapped up in, oh, I'm supposed to be doing this and this and this and this, and this brings in money and this is what I'm supposed to do. So like to be able to say, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm just going to focus on this now. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. So are, from, have you, are your illustrations digital or hand-drawn? And then did that change as like technology changed or have you always done it the same way? Um, I adapted, I changed pretty quickly. I went from painting and I realized, well, this is going to take forever. There's no way I'm painting uh, the pages of my books. That wasn't an interest to me. I was using marker and paper. And so my first books were marker and handwritten. The font, it was actual handwritten in all of them. And then I discovered the, you know, how to do it on the computer. And so way, way back when, like, uh, when, you know, when draw tablets first, or draw pads first came out um, and the computer, I was like, I've always been a big, like, technology thing. I love gadgets, like technology stuff. And, um, especially computer and and um i found a way to do these draw on the computer and i loved it and that was another strike against me um you know too because like i said being the the rebel or the the rebellious uh author or the black sheep of the author family they're like oh my god todd Parr is here at this event he's he's sitting at the table with you know i just won the caldecott you know and here's todd Parr drawing underwear and you know, all these, you know, it, it just was like, people are like, <clears throat> I don't know what it is. It felt like high school. So anyway, it's, it's just like, you know, that's the other thing you feel like high school and you feel like um, nobody likes me. You know, I met this uh, group of six di different authors and we're all in an area. No one's talking to me. You know, is it that they just don't talk or what is it? And I think, well, now I've realized they were just going, why is he here? Um, and I don't get it, what he does. Or, you know, I would have like a huge line waiting to get signed. And the other tables, there was just one or two people there. So then you feel awkward because I've had that happen, you know, where I would be at signings. And I was like, gosh, this guy has like 200 people lined up and I've got no one. How embarrassing. And then, you know, it started happening to me. And I think, you know, uh, people looked at my work as like, I, I, I just don't get it. And he's got popularity, you know, and success. I don't understand it. And um, so that was with using the draw tablet. They're like, he doesn't even paint the pictures. He's doing them all digitally, which makes it even look cheaper than, you know, than they did. And now so many people use a draw tablet and, you know, so again, I was ahead of my time. Um, and everybody's always said that, that my editor, Todd, you're just, you're ahead of yourself. You're ahead of the world. And I feel like now, and this is not fortunate or unfortunate, I don't know which it is, but the world is kind of caught up to me. You know, the world is such a place where so much happens and, and, and kids hear things and are exposed to so many things so early that people are wanting to address these things. And people are looking for books to say, you know, let's help teach our kids uh, about things. And again, I don't have an agenda in my books. There's some people will say, oh, it's okay to be different. Be who you are means be gay. Um, or all uh, because Todd, you did 
the family book, which says some families have two moms, some families have two dads. So in all of your books, I have had one page in one book that has caused all kinds of problems over the years because of that page. And then people will go in and say, well, it's because he's gay and he's trying to make kids gay. You can't make someone gay. You know, it's, <laughs> like... Sexuality isn't isn't in the realm of what my work or the age group is. So we don't talk about anything uh, other than we have fun and we, we read. And, and the message that I have is just about making kids feel better about who they are, being more confident and feeling like they fit in and making people feel good. That's the only message and agenda that I have um, and how to deal with some of the things that happen. It's okay to be different is one of my best selling books. It's 18 years old now, I think, still consistently one of my best selling. I don't know how many reprints it's in. And that happened when I wrote that book was the experience I had in second grade because when a lot of the kids found out that I was in second grade twice, they made fun of me the entire year. And, you know, that doesn't feel good. So it's, and at that age too, when you already have problems. So when I thought, I'm going to write a book about just being different, that it's okay, because some of us are good at some things and not so good at others, but we can learn. And I want to help other kids know that you don't have to be perfect and you can be different. And so that's the agenda. That's the message that I have. Um, and I think now more people are willing to just acknowledge this, because I think when it's okay to be different, well, not I think it was, when that came out, it was in the self-help section of Borders. So, of course, you know, Borders, you know, they've not been around for Which a while. Sad. Um, but I was like, Borders, it's a picture book. I don't want kids to feel like their parents have to go to the self-help section for a book for their child. I want them to look at the picture book wall and go, oh, it's okay to be different. A fun picture book. But people didn't see my books as that. They saw them as tools for, and they still do, but they're mainstream mass appeal tools to use with feelings and emotions and social emotional, you know, things versus, oh, these books have to have their own section. And I think even in still some places like Barnes and Noble, you're not going to go right to the picture book wall and find my books. I think they have them categorized into feelings and emotions maybe, which is okay, but I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, I have to go to a special section to get a book. I can't just see this wall filled with all these fun books and pick one of those. So Interesting. Um, again, I've, uh, people are doing their books digitally just like me. Um, people are writing books just like me only they're not me. And I think, so that's a sign that um, the world is caught up to me. Do you think if you went on this journey now, like in the last five or six years, you would have been able to find your place? If I had gone a different way? Well, I mean, or... like, if, if, if you haven't been working for 21 years, say you just started right now, like with your illustration style, uh, doing an event or... Um, like the licensing show or being on social media, do you think it um, could have gone the same way? Um, I don't think so. Um, I have these thoughts a lot about what if this hadn't happened, what would I be? Or even people that have been a part of my success that have said, do you remember when we helped you do this? And, you know, it's like, yes, I never forget everybody that's been there for me, from my grandma encouraging me to my dad, you know, saying, I don't understand you, but I want you to be happy. I think I've never forgotten anybody that's been there. Certainly my editor, she hasn't given up on me, but I do think, what if she did give up on me? What if this all, you know, years ago, or what if this hadn't happened? I mean, you know, um, I know I wouldn't have been in Wyoming. What what would what would you have done? And people say that, and I go, well, I would have been something. I don't know what I would have been, but I had too much drive and determination, you know. And I mean, hello, I was the assistant manager at Taco Time when I was fourteen. So, you know, that's goals. And as you know, I was inspiring there. I was going to own my own Taco Time one day, and. Uh, and then I went to work for a record company, a record store, and I became a district manager at age 18, 19. And I had 
strong goals and aspirations. I just was confused and lost about what they sometimes always were. And very short attention span where I would be like, no, I want to do this. Um, I would have been something um, very doubtful this would have happened um, had I not took the path that I did, you know, via United Airlines and um, living in Chicago, um, getting my confidence. Um, I doubt seriously books would have happened because I wasn't entertaining that idea. And um, I think people ask for advice all the time about how I'm writing a book or I want to get my book published or can you give me any advice? And, you know, my first thing is, is like, oh my gosh, I know what that's like. I wished I had the magic words to tell you. Um, here's what you do because I know what I've never forgotten what it's like to struggle. Um, so I'm not one of those people that went off and made it and suddenly forgot who I once was. Um, but I don't have that magic thing. I just say that in my case, I wanted to give up so many times and I called it quits and I had had it and I didn't give up and I don't know how. And I would say denial. Denial kept me going forward with blinders on. I'm not going to listen. Um, I kept going and something happens that I never thought about. And so that's the thing is like, if you're hitting walls with what you're trying to do, you know, redirect, look for other things, other ways to stay true to that. But if you keep going, chances are something's going to happen that you're not even, not even in your head about right now. Um, in my case, an editor comes along to a show she doesn't go to. It's not a book show. Um, it's a show that I've never been to. Um, my licensing agent said, we need to do that show. Um, and if that hadn't happened, there wouldn't be Todd Parr books. I'm pretty sure of it. It still could have happened and you could have been like, no, I don't want to think I go, I don't want to go in that genre. I, I think nothing else would have worked. I think if anybody had come in, uh, another Megan, my editor, and said, you're going, we see chapter books in you. And I'd be, I don't. And it'd be like, that ain't gonna work. I can't do it. And I'm not gonna do it. And I'm not interested because honestly, I don't really like to read. Um, it's just not my thing. And it hasn't been since even when I learned. But you know, I love cookbooks. I love to read short things. You know, but I'm just, so that's the other thing, you know, life's too short, you know, to do something that you don't want to do. If redirect, you know, keep searching, keep looking for what it is that you really want to do. I mean, you know, my goal when I was younger was to own my own taco time. And then it became to drive the Oscar Mayer Wiener mobile. So look at me now. <laughs> With those goals. I think you're big enough that if you still want to drive the Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile, you probably could. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I have not put out any feelers. All right, uh, well, I'm putting for, it in the universe for I, you. <laughs> I know, but you know, the thing about that is I look and um, I always like when one of them wrecks, you know, in the winter, like I saw one pictures of the Wiener Mobile ran off the road in the winter. Um, maybe a couple of years ago, I thought, oh, would that just be most embarrassing? I finally get to drive the hot dog um, and I wreck it. So it's like, maybe not. All right. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> so I have one last question for you and it's probably the most important question I've asked. Did you get to meet Cookie Monster when you worked with Sesame Street? I did not. <laughs> I did not. Um, I was, that was a, a a surreal moment being in New York being in their offices being surrounded by that you know something I grew up on was just unbelievable um I did get a cookie monster hat that day um from the creative director and um that's one of those things in life now that you just look at and go Sesame Street you were involved with that is is something um but no i did not i did not get to meet 
anybody but real people. Oh, man. In, in their, in it's funny because I lived in New York uh, for a short period of time, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find, I'm gonna find a way to be popular, and I'm gonna work with Sesame Street. <laughs> and then I realized if I did end up working with anyone in Sesame Street, I might not even meet all of my any of my monster friends. Like, <laughs> but that's still like the old. I know I've made it if I'm ever involved with Sesame Street. <laughs> Again, those are just markers in our own lives where, you know, I talk to people and, you know, it, like other countries, especially. And it's like, I'm going to show you, you know, some of my short, my Sesame Street shorts. They're like, what's Sesame Street? You know, I'm like, what? You don't know what Sesame Street? This was like a thing in my, I, you know, me to be with Sesame Street. It's like the ultimate validation, you know, so. But we all need those things. We all need our own goals and our own like achievements to say i did this it's huge nobody knows who they are but i did it i do so. plenty of people know who they are um yeah if i talk to i don't know if i know anyone else that their aspirations are to be involved with sesame street <laughs> except me not not <laughs> not so much anymore <laughs> well that makes me sad i'm like me too. i just asked my husband when we can go to sesame place because that just opened in sea world but he's like, our son's only one, and I haven't even let him watch TV yet. So he's like, let's wait a few years. And I'm like, I'll buy him some books first. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good good way to start. And I'm definitely going to find, uh, or not find, I'm definitely going to buy your different, it's okay to be different book. Like that, I think we definitely need in our house. <laughs> cool. Yes. Cool. Yay. Well, then, can you tell people where they can find you? Uh, Toddpar.com. Uh, T-O-D-D-P-A-R-R.com, one name. Um, and, you, you know, you can Google search me and find out way more information than you even care to know. Um, and my books are available pretty much wherever books are sold. So. And what are the names of the three books coming out this year? Uh, the Kindness book will be out. No, uh, the Don't Worry book is out this month, actually next week, oh, the 18th. Yay. Um, the school book will be out in September, I think. And then the kindness book will be out October 1st. I can't wait for that one. That's so exciting. Yeah, that one, that one, my editor said, Todd, how come we don't have a kindness book? How, how is it that you've never written a kindness book and all the books that you write? And I'm like, that's a really good question. Maybe it's because it's so obvious that I didn't even think about it. I don't know. Um, so it's a fun book. I'm excited. Uh, I'm really excited about that book. And I think, you know, this year having the three, the don't worry, you know, I'm also a worrier. So I hope, uh, I hope this, this helps, you know, kids like me that worried when they were little and still do. Um, the school book was just an extension of a free book that Scholastic, I did for Scholastic, uh, that they give away. Um, and it's fun and it, it will be a great book for kids uh, going to school for the first time or going back to school. And then of course, kindness. I'm like, well, the, it can't come out soon enough. The world, the world needs uh, this kindness book uh, and that I'm really excited about. And then of course, next year to have, it's the birthday book, um, which came out very fun. Um, and then the joyful book and that for me, I'm really looking forward to that because we had talked about me doing a Christmas book um, over the years. And I'm like, that just doesn't feel right. Even though I celebrate Christmas, um, it feels like it's a very not inclusive book for the rest of the world if I do a Todd Parr book. And that's how the peace book came about. It was like, well, what would you do if you wouldn't do a peace or a Christmas book? I'm like, well, how about the peace book? Uh, but now it's just like, we think it's time for you to do a holiday. And I said, you're right. That's one of the things I was gonna to talk to you about. I'm ready to do a holiday book, but I wanna make it inclusive. I wanna have, without saying Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Christmas in it, I wanna depict all of these things that people come together with people they love at a time of year. And I, I want parades in there um, for Chinese New Year without saying, um, you know, I want Kwanzaa represented and Hanukkah 
and a Christmas tree, but I'm not saying any of those words. And the overall feeling is just about being together with the people that you love. Um, and so I'm extremely excited about that. When's that one coming out? Next fall. Okay. So, yeah. That's so exciting. I'm so excited for it you. Is. Okay. Thank well, you. I'm so excited we got to talk. I know I just said excited like 500 times, but I'm excited. No, thank, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You're e easy to talk to. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you liked the episode, please subscribe or even better, leave a review. It makes iTunes really happy and then hopefully makes them share this podcast with other people, which would make me really happy. If you have any ideas for topics to cover or for people you'd like me to interview, please email me. My email address is in the show notes. And thank you again. Have a great day.